Hello, world, and welcome to the In My Footsteps podcast. I am Christopher Setterlin, coming to you from the vacation destination known as Cape Cod, Massachusetts, and this is episode 66. This is the special monthly bonus episode of the podcast, a little bit shorter, where we dive into one topic and kind of flesh it out a bit. It's an episode I've been wanting to do for a long time, but I had to make it fit calendar-wise. For those of you that have been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that I had a special episode dedicated to my Nina, who passed away a little over a year ago, episode 15. And then episode 20 was the first bonus episode dedicated to my grandpa, who passed away almost three years ago. I've wanted for a while to do an episode dedicated to my Nana, and I waited until it was her birthday, her would-be 98th birthday, is a little over a week away, so I wanted to do a special episode about her. So coming up right now, Sundays at my Nana's on episode 66 of the In My Footsteps podcast. I'm sure this episode is going to take a little bit to get through, but I'm going to do my best to make it as concise as I can here for the special bonus episode. It's a funny thing how you can still miss a person tremendously, even if you've spent as much time as you possibly could with them. It's really incredible the mark someone can leave on you and your life that you can have thousands, literally thousands of unique memories and moments with them like a literal infinite field of flowers, and yet they still leave you thinking that it was not enough. I still have so many vivid memories of my Nana, even more than 12 years after her death, because I was around her so much. For the vast majority of my childhood into my adult life, Sundays at my Nana's were a tradition that I looked forward to all the time. But let me tell you a little bit about the woman behind my Nana, who became basically like a mythical figure the more I grew up and learned about her. She was a saint of a woman, all five feet of Portuguese and English blood. She had been forced to raise four kids on her own after a cruel twist took the life of her husband, my Grandpa Johnny, at the young age of 43. I could only imagine how hard it had to be to be both mother and father to kids between the ages of 8 and 16. But she did it, all while also being the breadwinner of the family. My Nana became tough and unflappable because life gave her no other option. For her kids' sake, she had to be tough. And when it came down to it, everything was on her shoulders, all the pressure. And despite everyone knowing that the family's success or failure fell squarely on her, my Nana never lost her cool or became overwhelmed by the pressure. And if she did feel any of those things, she kept them hidden away from prying eyes. Being raised as a child during the Great Depression must have made persevering through life's struggles as instinctual a trait as breathing. Crying about the hand one was dealt did not change the hand itself. My Nana had to make all the tough choices when it came to parenting. She didn't have a tag team partner, husband, boyfriend, anything like that to bounce ideas off of. By the time she was 43, she had lost her husband and her mother, leaving very little in the way of immediate family for emotional support. 
she did have sisters and a brother, but you know, somewhere on the Cape, somewhere scattered around the country. So I don't want to make it seem like she didn't have anyone to help her. That's not true. It's just when you're a parent, I can only imagine that having your spouse and your parents there makes it a little bit easier. My Nana was good cop and bad cop, all in the name of raising well-adjusted kids. She had to console grieving children who had lost their father, all while doing her own grieving of her husband and mother in private. I don't know how she did that and kept her sanity. These challenges of being a child during the Great Depression, college-aged during World War II, and a widowed single mother in her 40s all shaped my Nana into the person I got to know starting in her 50s. She was 53 when I was born. By that point, her youngest child was now 20. Although I'd love to say that my being born allowed her to step back and let her guard down a little, the truth is that that was just a coincidence. She had already done her job of raising her kids well, and now it was time for her to take a breath. I just happened to be there to get the spoils of a grandmother's love. I don't really have any concrete memories of my Nana until I was about the age of five. If I really go back and dig deep into my mind, I have vague, cloudy moments that I believe are from the time I was about the age of three. But as far as concrete things that I could tell you the story of, it's not until I'm five. That being said, though, there are countless photos of things before they left an imprint on my young mind. My Nana was a constant presence in my life from day one. And there's the photos to prove it. Although some of these photos she cut her own head out of. Some people don't like how they look in photos, so they won't get pictures taken these days. But back then, the prints, it was like she had these pictures with her face cut out of them, which just, it's so funny. I still have some of those with her in them and then her version that had her cut out. That was just one of those quirks that I loved about my Nana. I never knew her as the woman named Doris. I never knew her as the woman lovingly referred to as Ma by her kids. I knew Nana. She was always Nana. She was the person with the roaring, infectious laughter that everybody who came into contact with her tried to bring to the surface. I can hear it right now. I haven't heard her laugh in over 12 years, and I can still hear it right now. It was great because Nana's laugh would make all of us laugh until tears just streamed down all of our faces. If you go back to episode 60, I talked about my Nana's favorite game, Pass It On, and how we'd all be crying laughing. That gives you a little better example of what her laughter meant to me and what it did for the family. Making Nana laugh until she cried with laughter was every bit a tradition as turkey was on Thanksgiving and lights on the Christmas tree. Every holiday, every Sunday, we would try. It was almost like a comedy show where my Nana was the straight man in a venerable nuthouse that was Boxberry Lane during family gatherings. My family, that side of the family on my father's side, is the sarcastic, dry, sometimes biting sense of humor that a lot of people might not understand or might get offended by. And my Nana had to navigate those waters, especially on the holidays when we were all together 
and sometimes when the drinks would start flowing and then it really got crazy. I don't know how she handled it. Despite her home being ground zero for all types of gatherings throughout my childhood, it is Sunday that always stood out for me. In some ways, Sunday is still Nana Day in my mind, even though I'm now in my mid-40s and we haven't had a Sunday with Nana since I was 32 years old. I still remember it. Those days of visiting her began with being picked up at home many times by Nana herself. And in the early days, it was a black Ford Escort from the mid-80s. You'd have to look it up to see what it looked like. And God, I can remember the Ford Escort was the first car that I learned how to drive in. And Nana driving me around in the passenger seat and her pressing her foot to the floor, like mimicking that she needed to step on the brake when I was driving so much so that I, even though I wasn't speeding, I would just look at her like, Nana, am I really that bad? And she would just laugh like, no, I'm just used to driving myself. Later on, after she got rid of the Ford Escort, It was a red Dodge Dynasty, which was a slight upgrade. And those Sundays when we got to my Nana's house, they consisted of watching TV a lot, reruns of the Three Stooges, WWF All-American Wrestling with Bobby the Brain Heenan and Mean Gene Okerlund. Those were like how the days started. If it was warm, there was ample time in the backyard either playing wiffle ball, which we, we would do until the neighbors behind my Nana put up a fence because we would constantly be in their yard, which that was a sad day when they put the fence up and we couldn't play wiffle ball. But either that or we could lay, there was a hammock in the backyard and just lay in that and listen to the birds. It always felt like an escape, even though I didn't have much to escape from, if that makes sense. If it was cold or rainy, we'd be inside We'd play board games like Shoots and Ladders, which was a constant presence. Or we would do the tradition of getting out the old family photo albums and just laugh at everyone's different hair and clothing styles from as far back as the 40s and 50s. And I can hear it. These albums had the plastic sheets that were kind of sticky that you could stick the photos to. It's hard to explain. It would make these crinkling noises when you would turn the pages. It's funny how those little, little things just seep into your mind from these positive childhood memories. The biggest question I always had on those Sundays was what was for dinner? During the summer, it was mostly cookouts. Nana had this old red-topped charcoal grill, a little small one. and We'd have burgers and hot dogs. Kielbasa was a huge one with the Portuguese coming out. But cookouts weren't the only thing. Nana could make a lot of dishes. And a few of her favorites that she shared with us were her classic American chop suey, inside-out ravioli, (laughs) which if you haven't heard of that, it's sort of like a baked ziti, I guess, kind of. And of course, we had the classic New England boiled dinner, which was ham or corned beef with boiled potatoes, cabbage, and carrots, And the classic, Franks and Beans and Brown Bread. I remember working at a retirement home a couple of years ago, and every Saturday night was Franks and Beans was an option for dinner, and it always brought me back to Nana, which was fitting because a lot of the people that were in the retirement home living there were her age. So it's fitting because they grew up on that too. 
There were times, though, that Nana did not feel like cooking, and if that was the case, there was a little end table with a drawer that was filled with menus from local restaurants. And a few of the favorites, if you grew up on Cape Cod in Yarmouth, we either went to Giardino's for pizza, Takis for pizza, or the other old staple was China Inn, which, ironically, China Inn has been closed down for like 10 years at least now and the building is still there with the sign on it like they haven't sold it haven't torn it down so every time i drive by i think of my nana which i guess is a good thing my nana was the one who loved her birds especially goldfinches she hated the grackles that always gathered around the bird feeders hated the squirrels that would steal the bird seed she loved her finches though That's why I put it on the place card for this episode of the podcast. She loved her crossword puzzles. I have her pen that she used to use for her crosswords. It needs a new ink cartridge, but I have that pen. I made sure to take it. It's something very small, but the fact that I have something that she used all the time makes me happy. And my Nana loved her grandchildren. And she treated us like gold, which was why if one of her kids, my dad or my two uncles or aunt, if they gave her a hard time about being some kind of strict disciplinarian when they were kids, we as the grandkids would just shake our heads in disbelief because that was not our Nana. And the funny thing is, I don't think that could have even been Ma or Doris. I don't think she was that type of person. I think they just were messing with her. In fact, I know they were messing with her because my Nana was someone who always saw the good in everyone and everything. Nana was always the one who seemed truly proud of you for whatever you had done, even when you didn't feel you were living up to what you could and should be. Her belief in you never wavered. No matter how small or insignificant your achievement might have been to you, the pride in her was evident. She was always the one that was genuinely happy to see you, even as her life grew painful and her light grew dimmer. I mean, she suffered at the end with rheumatoid arthritis where her knuckles were so swollen on her hands and feet that her fingers were crossed over each other and the pain that it must have been I can only imagine making it so hard to walk, but she was always happy to see us. As a child, as a teenager, as into my young adulthood, Sundays with Nana were written in ink on the schedule of my life. It was an obligation. I had to be there to see my Nana. And the thing is, as I got older, they became a choice. I didn't have to go. I had my own life. It happens when you grow up where you start to have your own life. It's happening now with my nieces and nephews where I've seen them so much when they were younger, but you get older and you get your own life and you don't see them. They go off to college or they get cars and jobs and it's just the way it goes. But I always made time to see my Nana because that was a choice. I can sit here now and recall literally hundreds and hundreds of Sundays with Nana from ones that happened before my memory held on to them to the very last one in November 2009. Each and every one of them had special moments, which, like grains of sand, fill the pristine beach that was my Nana's life. 
Some people grow up and they have no grandparents because they've passed on before they were born. Hell, my grandpa Johnny died 12 years before I was born. Some people lose their grandparents young. I was blessed to have my Nana in my life until I was 32 years old. This allowed me the ability to see her not only as my loving grandmother, but also later on to be able to speak and learn from her as an adult. This was something I also got to do with my Nina and Grandpa, to be an adult around my grandparents. It's something that if you didn't get that chance, I feel sorry for you because there's nothing like that learning tree. Being an adult with my Nana, it gave me the opportunity to do things like trace her family tree back hundreds of years or to write a children's book based around her and her cat mittens, which I printed out for her so she could read. My goal was and still is always to get that book published, like real published, Goots Mittens, because I wrote it for my Nana and I've always wanted it to be read by everybody. Part of me held on to the belief that as long as I had living grandparents, I was still a child. Therefore, I was a child until I turned 43. Still, as much as I'd love to have one more Sunday with my Nana, it gives me peace to know that I had as many as I possibly could and likely more than most people have with their grandparents. I miss those days and can picture it all still so clearly. I miss the old phonograph in the den that had this old Edison record that we kids always wanted to play. I miss the painting above the fireplace that had been so damaged by cigarette smoke that you couldn't even really tell what it was anymore. I miss the eclectic collection of glass bottles that lined the mantle because my Nana loved to collect these old bottles. I miss the sun tea that she made out on the back step or the horse's necks with ice cream and root beer. I miss climbing up to the attic on a ladder that seemed to be one false step away from just collapsing and just having you fall on your back on the ground. I miss the giant rose bush that basically swallowed up a split rail fence in her front yard. <laughs> a rose bush that is still alive with little offshoots that my mother has in her front yard. And I don't know if anyone else in the family has any, but my Nana's rose bush is still alive. The people that bought the house basically tore it down, but we got pieces of it before that happened. I even miss the huge puddle that would form in the street right in front of her house after it rained. Eventually the town fixed it, but for a while there was just this ocean of a puddle in front of her yard. So yeah, I miss all of those things that made Sundays at Nana's so special and fun, but above all else, there is one thing that if I had the opportunity to relive one more time, I would. When we would be driven home after dinner on Sundays, Nana would stand in the front door and wave to us as the car drove away. I can remember watching her wave and fade from sight as we pulled away, and she never closed the door until long after we had vanished, like she wanted to see us, for as long as she could and as much as we wanted to see her. Even near the end, when it was too painful to see me off at the door, I could picture her sitting in her favorite chair and waving as she heard my car leave. Even if she knew I couldn't see it, I could imagine she did that anyway. 
I find that ending of a typical Sunday, the vision of my Nana waving to us, slowly growing smaller as she faded away, being a perfect metaphor for her final years. She never closed the door. She simply faded away until we could not see her anymore. But if I close my eyes and think hard enough, I can see her again. I can hear her again. And despite being gone for more than 12 years, the fact that she remains such a powerful and important part of my life, I believe is the greatest compliment that I could pay her. And as I wrap up this bonus episode, episode 66, all these memories I've shared of my Nana and I've mentioned of my grandparents, they may be pertinent to my life, but if you grew up and you had grandparents in your life that made a difference, you were lucky. If you still have them, make time for them because when it comes to grandparents or parents or friends you know, family members, anyone like that, there will be a time that is the last time you see them, that is the last time you speak to them. And this is not meant to be something so morbid to make you think that, but it's more to make you appreciate them while they're here rather than after the fact wishing you had more time. Because like I said, I have thousands of memories of being with my Nana. So I don't have regrets in the fact that she's not around anymore. Death is as big a part of life as anything. Just make the most of the life when you have the time with people. And I can be kind of hypocritical where I am a terrible corresponder with a lot of people. I try and I forget and time goes by and COVID has made it where years have gone by and it feels like a snap, but time has still advanced but I'm trying to get better as I'm into my middle age now. So I hope that my memories of my Nana made you think of your grandparents or made you think of your family members that gave you positive memories growing up or positive memories now and motivate you to go and see them and spend time with them and just enjoy life because you only get one. So thank you all for tuning in to the special bonus episode of the In My Footsteps podcast, episode 66. Like I said last week, next week I'm skipping a week. I wanted this episode to kind of get time to breathe because my Nana deserves that. So I'll be back in two weeks with episode 67. And on that episode, I will do the Cape Cod Suicide Alley segment that I skipped last week so as not to tease you. Check out my live streams Fridays at 8 p.m. without a map on Instagram. Find me on Twitter, YouTube. Go to my website, ChristopherSetterland.com. If you want to buy me a coffee at BuyMeACoffee.com, find the In My Footsteps podcast. And remember, in this life, don't walk in anyone else's footsteps. Create your own path. Enjoy every moment and leave the biggest footprint you can like my Nana did. She left a huge footprint in this world, in all of our lives. And I thank you all so much to my family and friends. I love you all. And thank you all for being such a big part of my life. And I'll talk to you all again in two weeks. Have a great week, a great weekend. Thank you all for tuning in. And I'll talk to you all again soon.